Hi guys, welcome to NHBF's podcast, NHBF Shines On. I'm Brooke Evans and just like you, I run my own salon. I wanted to have real conversations with some of my favourite people in the industry, talking about the highs and the lows of working in hair and beauty. On this podcast, we touch on many of the issues facing hair and beauty professionals across the industry and create a space for honest conversations. Now, I know it can be difficult to navigate social media on top of running your own business. Should you be posting every day? Should you just let your work speak for itself? Should you be on TikTok, Twitter or even Instagram? It can all be a little bit confusing. Luckily, today on the podcast, we're talking to someone who knows all about it. But before we get to that, if you want to find out more about some of the things we discuss on the podcast today, whether that's social media or how to find the right team or maybe how to promote a healthy workplace, head over to nhbf.co.uk to find more resources on everything we talk about in today's show. Today on the podcast, NHBF Shines On, award-winning hairdresser, Casey Coleman. Hi, Casey. It is so good to see you. Hi, Brock. Tell us about who you are and what you do. My name is Casey Coleman. I have been hairdressing for 14 long years. I, I know, it's a long time. I'm getting on a lot of it now. <laughs> uh, I've got grey hairs on my beard and everything, so I'm getting to that point. <laughs> I specialise in colour and my I guess my main selling point is that I'm a gender-neutral hairdresser. So I was the first gender-neutral hairdresser in Wales. Not in the UK, but in Wales. I am all about the hair. Even though I have none on my head, I am hair obsessed. So I work on as many different projects as I can from TV and film to education, travel, behind the chair, industry events, awards, you name it, I'm trying it. You name it, Casey's face is (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope not, anyway. (laughs) So to tell everyone, take it back a bit, when did you know you wanted to be a hairdresser? Do you know what? I knew the exact point. Well, actually, I don't know whether I knew the exact point I wanted to be a hairdresser, but I I know the point where I started enjoying hair. Um, I think it's fair to say that, so I'm going to go with that. I was, I don't know, about seven or eight. My sister was about three. She had Barbies. I didn't. And I decided to be a little bit creative with her Barbies. And I I actually think I, I started putting bobbles, and I mean, these bobbles were like tiny elastics, so they weren't coming out. I started putting elastic bands in her hair. And then I actually, if I recall, I might have actually started putting two Barbies hair together and then more bobbles and more, <laughs> and bo- like more bobbles and more bobbles and more bobbles to the point where all you could see was bobble and no hair. Um, <laughs> And they had to just cut all the hair off the Barbie because... Oh, my God. I know. I'd gotten so creative trying to be this kind of really cool hairdresser. And it just, it did not pan out very well. But I had such a good time doing that, that I just think it kind of naturally progressed from there. I didn't actually qualify until I was like just under 20. So I was a late bloomer in the hairdressing industry. I'd done other stuff before, so... I was definitely a young 
a young person when I started enjoying hair. So what like what took you so long to get into the industry? Talk to me a little bit about that. Why? Why was that the case? Do you know what? I I'm a creative person, so I have interest in loads of different industries. So initially I was studying fashion design and I loved it, but I can't draw for love no many. I just can't. I'm not that person. I'm a sculptor. I'm not a, an artist. Or I'm a, I'm a different kind of artist, I guess I should say. So I tried initially getting into fashion. But then just before I turned 18, I was walking past a hair salon. I saw that they were looking for somebody. And I don't know what brought me or drew me to it. But I just went in and asked for a job. And I lasted a week. That was it. No kind of long, lengthy career as an an apprentice, unfortunately, not at that point. But then I did actually go and find a job in another salon. Unfortunately, wasn't treated very well. I was threatened by my ex-boss. I was 17, 18 at the time. I was threatened because I had my hair cut by my auntie. All my aunties are hairdressers, so um, all the women on my dad's side are all hairdressers. So I was going to, I think it was like Mardi Gras in Cardiff. It was my first ever when... Didn't manage to get my hair cut in the salon, so my auntie done it. Came back into work on a Monday, and he went nuts. He he literally threatened to chuck me down the stairs. So his business partner, who was a, the complete opposite, she was lush, she basically said, right, here's a week's wages. I think you better go, and that was it. So it kind of put me off a little bit. And even in the salon that I worked in after that, I didn't have a great experience. So I kind of just got put off a little bit, if I'm honest. But after spending a year and a half at a call center, I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm nearly 20. I I do want to give it a go. So I went back to college. And I think that's really important, Casey, that you've brought up that topic of not being treated well by an employer. And I think it's a really hot topic at this moment with a lot of the industry changing, going self-employed. And actually, that behavior is so, so wrong and it should never have happened. And actually, that has had a massive impact on the journey that you've had, whether that be for the better, for the worst, or a longer journey or a harder journey. And I think, yeah, I think we should be speaking about this openly, regardless of where you are in the industry, that behavior like that is incorrect. And, you know, they should be called out for that. You were salon owner for uh, how many years? Three years at the time, yeah. So you had like a great start, a small team, and you did lots of stuff in industry there. And then what changed for you to then become not a salon owner and to become self-employed? There was quite a few different factors. The first being during the, the 2020, after the first lockdown, you know, I got a job with Netflix. So I was working on sex education I was getting all of these opportunities. I was teaching. I was out with the salon a lot more. I was away a lot more. And I felt like I owed my team better. I owed them to be there more and to kind of nurture them and kind of help them. And I'd almost lost interest in my own business. I felt like I was doing them a disservice. We are one person. We have our own journey Throughout life, it's your life. It's nobody else's. It's yours. And unfortunately, certainly, go back. You know, a few years ago, 
The reason I opened a salon wasn't because I wanted to open a salon. It wasn't because I wanted to earn more money. It was because I had two options, move cities or open a salon because I felt too loyal to my existing employer. Now I realize that actually you've got to look out for number one. And I've spent such a long time not doing that, that by the end of last year, I needed to put myself first. So being freelance at the end of the year, closing this, the doors to chair salons and saying goodbye to my team members. And I always call them team members, They're not my staff, they're my members, because I'm, I'm on the team with them. We all work together. You know, they were both lovely, bright people and they've both found jobs since. And, you know, I miss them dearly, actually. And I do miss having a salon, but I just needed to do it because if I hadn't, I think I'd have been even more unhappy. Obviously, during COVID, you absolutely triumphed on social media. <laughs> That's really underrated, what I'm saying. Oh, you absolutely smashed social media. <laughs> and yeah, ultimately, you became a bit of a king in the hairdressing industry for your socials. How did that start and what made you think, do you know what, I'm going to really try. I think that there is so many people overlooking social media right now. People are completely overlooking the internet still. There are people out there who don't have websites. There are people out there who don't have Instagram pages, Facebook pages or anything. I didn't want to stop working during the lockdown because I knew that that would force me to deal with other stuff that was going on. So I, I kind of made myself busy 12 hours a day on Instagram, creating educational content, creating colorful content for my uh, followers, constantly engaging with people, constantly commenting, liking, sharing. My passion kind of took a different turn and I become passionate about social media. And, you know, I think people, again, I'll say it again and again and again, people underestimate social media. Uh, the jobs I've had from social media, Netflix, Disney, BBC, um, ITV. I've had collaborations with the Welsh Government, NatWest. I currently have a collaboration with a hair extension company who I can't name at the moment. So yeah, I really wanted to kind of grab it and use it for what it is, a business tool. Do you remember the first video that made you think, yeah, do you know what? I'm pretty good at this. Do you know what? I think that education was one thing. It's taken me a long time to be comfortable with being ugly. And when I say that, I don't mean that I think that I'm a monster. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that I, I'm not afraid to be ugly online. There is so many poses and, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty. And, and I'm not that kind of, I, I hate the word influencer. It sounds so gross. But essentially, that's um, what I've become <laughs> without even realizing. <laughs> um, so I've become somebody who uses my funny and my personality to get a message across. So, for example, things clients shouldn't be doing that really, you know, get on your nerves. I will make fun of that so that we can all laugh about it together. But also, there's a message there that people actually take into consideration. So when you share a, one of my reels that says, I don't know, this is what you shouldn't be wearing in the hair salon, a turtleneck, a hoodie, white designer clothes, a face full of makeup. You know, 
things like that, people can actually use that information. It's not just kind of, you know, ha ha ha, I'm going to take the the mickey out of something. It's a lot of what I put into a humorous context is actually a lesson to be learned. You know, things like the first time a client has a scalp bleach, they're completely unaware that it's, it can be, it can be like irritable. It can be painful. I live for your content, obviously. Anyway, we all have a bit of a laugh watching what you do on there. But social media is interpreted in so many different ways. Yeah. Have you had any negativity or sort of people DMing you um, things that you think, oh God, what's going on? Do you know what? I've been I've been attacked both directly and indirectly. It's without pleasure that I say this, that other hairdressers indirectly aim comments at you. You know, you're ruining our industry and, you know, this is ruining, uh, and it's it's not ruining anything. If you're not comfortable with it, that is absolutely fine. That's not a problem. But you don't have to follow me and you don't have to mm. share my content. The amount of messages I get from non-hairdressers, oh my God, I'm not hairdresser, but I absolutely love your content. So funny. Oh my God, completely relate to that. That is hilarious. You know, it's being relatable. That's my brand. I like to be relatable to people who watch. I mean, I've also had then people, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the tea. I'm gonna spill it. Right? I've been called a pedophile for talking about being gender neutral, which is the most bizarrest perspective ever. But you've got to understand that there are people out there who don't understand being gender neutral and think it's a load of hoo ha. So then they'll decide to throw insults at you. I've had people make fun of my teeth because I've got a gaping gap in my teeth. Now, I like go back about 10 years ago, I'd have been really offended by this, but I really, I really don't care. It's a sexy gap. I love it. Love the gap. <laughs> and, but, you know, somebody told me to floss my gap with a mattress and I was, what? yeah, I was screaming with laughter because as much as I wanted to come back to him and, and call him things, I was like, mate, that is genius. That is so absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So there is a lot of hate out there. Absolutely. But you know what? I don't care. I just don't read the hate. I don't look too far into it. People are going to copy you. People are going to make fun of you. If you're talking about me, that's fine, but I'm not talking about you because I'm not aware. I'm not aware of what you're talking about, so it doesn't really matter. Even if you hate me, I don't care. I love you. I think this obviously moves on to a topic which is, you know, a little bit deep here, but I think it's important that we touch on it because it's something that I know that's held close to your heart and that you've spoken about previously quite openly so obviously mental health is a huge part of life and your life and I think you know we need to have these conversations because I'm sure there are other people that will potentially be listening to this that you know admire you and admires your journey in hairdressing but also within your mental state so really obviously being a an advocate on social media has it had a positive or a negative on your mental health have you dealt with certain things on social media that you've you've received or where are we going from there mental health is something that the moment you talk about it you will be criticized straight away mm -hmm. either somebody thinks that you're doing it for attention 
or somebody thinks that you're doing it for likes or somebody thinks that you're faking it. And again, I've had hairdressers indirectly kind of comment. And again, I don't care. They don't know anything about my experience. I haven't openly said this on any podcast on my page. I haven't openly discussed this. But last year I had a nervous breakdown and Brock, you know, it got really hard. And like, and I'm getting a bit emotional because it's just like, ah, oh, I was too nervous to go in the shower. I was too nervous to go to bed. And I really didn't understand how deep my struggle was until that moment. It was just, oh, it was really hard. And even now I'm a year on, I'm way better than I was. Absolutely. I have cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm on medication. You know, I still struggle. I, you know, it's not as if it's gone every day. And it's something to do with kind of me leaving home and leaving Swansea that I get really um, anxious about. My mate said to me, do you not think social media has had like some, like some sort of part to play in this? You know, don't you think that it's been something that has kind of made you worse? And I didn't actually consider that to be a possibility until I realized that all of this started happening. And I, don't get me wrong, I've always suffered with panic attacks, but they started getting bad post the second lockdown. And by that point, I'd already grown my social media, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a possibility, yeah. But that's why at the moment I'm trying to find a healthy balance. I'm trying to kind of like post three times a week instead of the seven days a week that I was before. Be so obsessed with like my growth and I'm so obsessed with getting new followers. And I'm I'm just not that anymore. Because I've chosen to put my well-being before creating funny videos and posting hair content, you know. It don't get me wrong, it is, it earns me my money. I'm not I'm not gonna deny that, but my mental health is way more important. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really important that that people hear that because I think we're all everyone who's on social media that's, you know, wanting to push their career can find themselves in this in between almost like a rock and a hard place where, you know, oh, I've got to post this. But actually, is that worth taking time away from my child that I haven't seen all day? Or is that going to take away from the time that I've got five minutes to read a book in the bath and that's my downtime? And I think yeah. getting it's so important to get that healthy balance with social media and work and life and everything else that goes in between. People forget that actually social media can be it's almost, it's almost like a full-time job in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the main reasons, one of the reasons why I needed more time to be freelance is because I had gone from four to 10,000 followers during lockdown and from 10 to 20,000 followers during three months at the end of the year. So, you know, that that was a large responsibility that I felt like I had to be present all the time, but that's not the case, man. It's just not the case. Whatever you do, just try and put yourself and just put relaxation before anything else, you know. I don't work a Tuesday. I'm in the sun on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So I think that even though I'm working four days this week, I know that I'm going to have three days off. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm going to try and relax as much as I can. And I know that, you know, I'm just going to kind of take things bit by bit, step by step. So I guess my my piece of advice would be just to try and kind of put things in place 
for you to enjoy so that you can kind of then carry on with work another time and have set boundaries. Set yourself some boundaries. Okay, I'm going to post a video at seven o'clock. I'm only going to be online until eight o'clock and then my phone is going to be put down. I'm not going to touch it until eight o'clock the next morning. Stuff like that, I think, is really important. Years ago, I'd be, you know, telling you, my one piece of advice is never say no and stuff like that. But actually, sometimes it does you a favor to say no. So I think if you're at the start of your career, yes, opportunities are great. If you're at the middle of your career, then it is all right to kind of have it a few days off, you know, just kind of give yourself a bit of a break. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And it's, I think, something that a lot of people are learning, including myself, you know. Yes, Brooke. <laughs> yeah, you little miss. I only have one free day in the next six weeks. Like, <laughs> and then and then oh, on that one day off that I'm going to get, I'm going to do clients. Like, hun, <laughs> come on. Let's take it back a little bit. Cancel some of those clients and have a day off, babe. <laughs> I know. I am the world's worst. But it's my conscious decision this year to stop saying yes all the time. I'm going to message you. I'm going to message you and be like, I, I've said no. <laughs> I won't fall on evidence that you said no. That's why I want a video. <laughs> I'll be screenshotting it and sending it over. Yeah, brilliant. So we are getting to the end of it. These are like quick fire questions. Ooh. No more than a couple of sentences for these. Okay. So yeah, just whatever comes to your mind first, shout it out, okay? Okay. Do you, do you so, want me to actually shout it out? Or do you want me to just... I'll talk, I'll talk. I'll talk, but I'll talk quickly. And I'll get it out. Okay then. All right? Okay. Okay. Number one, what's your favourite new beauty product? Um, do you know what? I, I was recently gifted a brush roll. Like, a, like this kind of like tool belt and it's gorgeous and I love it and it's from a sustainable company so that's even better have you heard any rumours about you that just aren't true yes I've heard that I'm a horrible person and actually I'm lush who was the worst client you ever had I don't not, not names obviously but like the experience what happened this client wasn't my client but she was a client of the salon she was just mean she'd come in late uh, she'd refuse to wear a mask and then when we'd give her a mask she would complain about the mask smell and the texture of it and yeah she just wasn't very nice and it got to a point where uh, I was just like oh do you know what I'm screw this and I invited her to leave I invited her to find somebody else to do her hair um, and I haven't seen her since bye hun worst haircut you've ever had when I was younger I, I was really experimental with my hair but I I had like a half mullet, which is like where you like shave half your hair off and only have the mullet on the one side. And I'm telling you now that in the next year, that's going to happen because we've already had the mullet. So side mullets are going to start coming back. I'm just like, you can all pay me. If this happens, you can pay me because I've now put it out into the universe. What's the worst haircut you've ever given? Gosh, I, I don't think there's a worst haircut. Um, but there's a worse hair colour. Oh, my days. There was this one client, uh, and this isn't going to be a quick fire question. I'm so, so sorry. Um, there was this one client who came in. She had black hair. She wanted to be blonde. It was her son's birthday in two and a half months' time, and she wanted to be blonde by then. So blonde, to me, is between an eight or ten. So mm -hmm. um, I lightened her hair up first time, got her to a five. I uh, lightened her hair up uh, seven weeks later, got her to about an eight. Uh, and then two weeks later, she said, you need to bleach my hair again. And I said, no, 
And she said, you need to bleach my hair again. My son's birthday is next week. It needs to be lighter. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. She booked the appointment without, so she we hung up, but then she went on my head and booked the appointment without me knowing. Turned up and I was like, I really don't want to do this. She was like, please, please, please. So I'd done it. And that was the biggest mistake of my life. So I had a ball of hair in the sink. Yeah. And last question, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, do you know what? I just I just think it would just be to enjoy myself as much as I can because, man, as you get older, stuff gets tougher, it gets harder. So I think just enjoy being young and just enjoy, have a good time, you know, colour your hair, whatever colour you want. You're going to be bald soon, so might as well bloody do it. Just kind of colour your hair pink and blue and green and, yeah, just have fun. Don't take things so seriously, you know? I love that. What a lovely topic to end on. Oh. I just want to say thank you so much for chatting to me oh, on behalf right. of the NHBF. It's been so nice. Uh, honestly, thank you so much. It's been absolutely lovely chatting to you, Brooke. And obviously everything that the NHBF do for our industry and stand for, you know, I think it's it's great that they we kind of combined everything together and just want to also say that if you don't follow me on instagram or tiktok my handle is at kcc underscore hair thank you <laughs> that was actually the next question but no way already really you are <laughs> kidding me that is hilarious <laughs> That's it for today's episode of NHBF Shines On. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to nhbf.co.uk. There's absolutely loads of information on there about how you can use social media to improve your business and continue to shine. Whether that's about finding the right team or if you need a little bit of help after lockdown, the NHBF has a range of member benefits that'll help you and your business to shine. I'm Brooke Evans and until next time, goodbye.